If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to Baby Got Batch. I am Brett Vergara. And I'm Camila Salazar. And hey, it's good to have you back here. Uh, I feel like every single week I'm like, whoo, it's been a heavy week. But like, <laughs> hey, we're doing it once again. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, we have two more weeks. We have uh, Fantasy Suites, which we're about to get into. And then we have the finale, you know, next week, just to refresh everybody's sense of time. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been a pretty heavy week. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to address, you know, up top, I know I've said, uh, you know, some some things on, you know, Twitter and, and Instagram about it, but uh, I am, I think, for at least the rest of the season, um, probably is honestly going to be a little bit longer. I'm, I'm sort of figuring that out myself. I'm just going to like try to leave social media for a little bit because uh, it's just a lot. Like the internet is pretty heavy and the internet's pretty dark and a lot of different capacities uh right now you know speaking speaking personally uh i i've and camila has seen some of this stuff as it's come in but i've gotten some uh death threat emails and i got a very um very uh intimidating voicemail last week that you know it's very unsettling because I don't know how they got my number, and you know I immediately blocked wow. and all that. But it's it's very just kind of like unsettling, and um, you know, and I'm scary. assuming it, it's fucking scary. Yeah, and you know, I'm not one to get scared off by stuff, and and yeah, honestly, sure. too, like I probably should be more affected by death threats than I am. So I do want to preface that I am okay, and you know, I'm, I'm well at least <laughs> at least as I'm recording, it ebbs and flows. Yeah, it ebbs I will flows. be honest. I will be honest. Um, no, because I've had some really hard moments too. I've had to book additional time with my therapist and just to navigate this. But mm-hmm. you know, on that note, it you know, as far as like the social media front, it's like you know, pushing for you know diversity and inclusion, and and I think as it relates to like Chris Harrison on this front, and and I think if I were to guess that's where a lot of um you know this vitriol you know is is coming from um you know it's it's important to you know to me and also in general you know to to keep up that stuff but at the same time i think about that example of you know if you're on a plane and the oxygen mask comes down it's important to make sure that you uh you're good yourself that you secure your own oxygen mask before you're able to help others and i do have i'm i'm very much in a spot personally (laughs) where i have to be very mindful that my my oxygen mask is on okay because i've had some rough days and i've had some you know as a lot of us have you know yeah obviously our you know, black indigenous people of color who are listening and, and also just watching bachelor, um, you know, but I think a lot of us have felt uh, a heaviness, um, but I'm still, you know, we're still planning on doing 
the pod here and <laughs> yeah. talking through these things, but I did just want to give everyone a uh, heads up on that regard. So I do have a positive though. Ooh, what, what is it? So in the past couple of days, um, I've been off social media. I took it off my phone and I haven't been looking. Screen time report has devast like just a visceral decline like i think i was like oh you're down 40 percent and i was like (laughs) wow and that's only a couple days Um, yeah you know but i i actually finished uh uh, book uncomfortable conversations with a black man um you know he's the one who's going to be hosting uh, after the final rose it was announced so i was really Mm -hmm. curious and yeah it's really really great um and uh there's actually i mean there's a lot of really really uh great things that he talks about and it was really great do you have any like nuggets to share with us like any pieces that really really spoke to you that like you really loved from it yeah i mean there's a lot there there's actually one part a little bit more toward the end and uh you know he was talking about um you know, he was talking about like where, you know, allies can, you know, play a role. But even though he didn't use these words, like when um, he was having this conversation, and I'll, I'll read the blurb in a second, um, it's around that idea of like listening and learning, because that's become such like kind of like mm-hmm. this buzz, buzz phrase lately. It's like, oh, I'm yeah. listening, learning, and like, I'll get to like helping out in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a quote here and Bear in mind, listener, I'm not a sports boy at all. So (laughs) this is, I'm going to try to recap this. And this isn't like a direct quote. It's, it's a little, you know, um, it's, it's, it's more just like me furiously typing down notes because I was like, this is amazing. This is a great (laughs) analogy. So maybe more like a, if you were live tweeting this book, this is what you wrote. (laughs) You're live journaling. You were live journaling. Oh my God. Wow. Live journal. TBT. You were live space journaling. You reading this amazing moment in this book. I'd say that works. Okay, cool, cool, cool. All right, let's hear it. So he said, as a middle linebacker, it's his job (laughs) to gather the other 10 players into the huddle to call the play. Every player has a different responsibility because what's called in the huddle is going to call for different things from the different players based on their position. And while it's an important part of the game, nobody comes to the game to see the players huddle. They come to see the players execute the plays that are called in the huddle. Because ultimately, it's not about the huddle. It's about what you do after the break. I just thought that that was so fucking brilliant. And it touches on like just so many things. One, for me, and he didn't even have to directly say this, but for me, I I thought of like the listening and learning thing and how people tend to live in that space forever. But, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think about math, right? Like you (laughs) learn math, but like the whole point of learning math is that you can solve problems. You you want to actually be able to use it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it was great at touching on that whole piece. Yeah. You have to learn first before you can apply. Yeah. It's like you have to learn first before you can apply, but like the whole fucking point is that you apply. It's to apply. A lot of people, yeah. uh, A lot of people get stuck in listening and learning and then they never apply. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like the whole point is to actually be able to become an adult who is able to balance a checkbook and like live off. You know, it's like this is supposed to be important for your life. Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed to eventually make it actionable. Right. Yeah. Um, but then the other, again, very loose personal connection that I, that I kind of tied to it, you know, is when he was talking about, uh, you know, every player is going to have like a different responsibility based on their position. And, you know, he didn't directly say this, but just kind of my, um, my 
understanding of that um, was was a couple of different things. One is if you're, you know, a white ally who's who's in the huddle versus a you know a, a black woman um, who is directly more affected by some of these issues. How you action, you know, what what your steps are and and what your uh, your your messaging is going to be is going to look a lot different because it has to be. You know, you literally are holding different positions on the field. This is me trying my best to understand sports. <laughs> I'm following. I'm following. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, but something else I think about too is like if you think about allies and activists and advocates in general, uh, what their actions are, are going to look different. So some people are going to be incredibly active on social media, right? That's like where they're really going to be driving the message. Right. Another form of like, you know, executing the play or like the call that's in the huddle is having really difficult private conversations with family members where it's like, Hey, is your mom, is your grandma like a little racist? Is it a little <laughs> bit more difficult to, you know, challenge her on that because you want to right. just adopt the ideology? It's like, Oh, she's old, like whatever. It's like, no, if that's maybe your, your part of the huddle is to take on that mm-hmm. conversation. And yeah, I don't know. It just reading this book made me incredibly grateful that he's going to be handing handling after the final rose and uh, maybe handling the rest of the franchise if I want to be naively optimistic, but I doubt it because he probably has far better things to do. Yeah. Who's to say also that he wants to take that on, that he wants to be the new face of The Bachelor. Like That's also kind of (laughs) assuming a lot of him, you know, in a way that might not be... Oh, yeah, that's, that's more me being hopeful. But yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah obviously, yeah. he has far better things to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I loved, you know, you going through that metaphor and kind of like really visualizing what different types of doing your part looks like. Like, I kind of started envisioning some as well. And just kind of thinking of like, how do you do your part? Yeah. Right. And how do you do it? Again, keyword actionably through tangible steps like that doesn't mean you have to broadcast them on the internet and that doesn't mean that you shouldn't that you shouldn't broadcast them on the internet you know i think that there's a weird shame and blame game it's like you're you're damned if you do damned if you don't you know just like seen as inauthentic or only doing something for the clout if you post it but you know if you don't post a picture does anyone know that you even did it you know yeah and and the other thing i like about that quote and its focus on what everyone's roles are like in executing the play determined in the huddle is the focus on like you very specifically, where is your impact, right? Like where are you going to be able to make the most impact? Is it on social media? Maybe. Is it in your direct family? Maybe. Is it volunteering for a local organization? Maybe. Is it monetary? You know, do you have a lot of money that you can used to, you know, prop up organizations, maybe. There's a lot of different ways advocacy can show itself. And it's going to depend. Yeah, it's going to differ based on a person's position. Right. So anyway, go read his book. It's great. That's that's the way to close this this thought. All right. Um, And so with that, shall we get into this fantasy suite uh, episode? Let's do it, just like some of them may have. Whoop. That Whoop. you mean they definitely have. all did. Um. Listen, that's honestly, I feel like most of them, like usually most years, not all of them do it. I usually, think I have they, never, 
I think the only time I've ever felt that way was when Hannah B straight up told Tyler she wasn't going to she didn't want to have sex with him and yeah. I'm pretty sure that was because it happened after the Luke thing yeah. that's a conspiracy theory for another time I was like the editing they edited it in the wrong in the wrong order but but that was definitely why yeah you know you, I, and and we'll go into fantasy suites now but the reason I think this is because uh Nick Vile season uh they I think the only person he slept with was was Vanessa uh because with Rachel Lindsay uh they found out about the election results together in 2016 on their fantasy suite so they were a little busy there uh that's like a story that Rachel okay, well, that's- shared uh, but then the that's other, very it's different. specific. That's a very it, specific reason that is very valid. <laughs> it's very specific. But then the other one that I think is more on point to what I'm saying is like with Raven, uh, they very much inferred that like they went to town, if you will, on their fantasy suite. Like they had this whole little mm-hmm. montage of like, oh, you know, she just like had like the best night, whatever. It has since been revealed they did nothing. So there's a lot of like. Wait, really? Inferring. Who revealed? Yeah. When was that revealed? Who revealed it was that? In some I, listen. That's a whole fact checking thing, but uh, okay. So it has been the, inferred. It has been inferred that they did not. Okay, so Brett said it first. That needs to be fact checked. So I'm going to operate under the assumption that they did do the deed. Raven's got to tell us. Raven, email us. Everything. <laughs> Raven, if you're... Oh, my God. Yeah, Raven, if you happen to be listening she to She might us. be listening. Why do you think she's not listening? Why do you not believe in us? Uh, I, I, I never said that. Don't you dare put words in my mouth, Brian. Don't you dare. Anyway. Anyway, back into- to this fantasy suite <laughs> episode. Jeez. All right. We're going to get into it right now. So... You know, we start off with a little sizzle reel, blah, blah, blah. All of like the women are saying they're excited for the fantasy suite. And the first date is with Michelle. And Mm -hmm. I did listen as much as there's uh, to as much as is currently going on in the franchise to to criticize very validly. So uh, I do think this date card game is getting better where they said, it's time to get even closer. I was like, hey. That was like, it's totally like it's time to fuck. <laughs> I was like, hey, nice. In our notes, because uh, we have a little notes doc, Camille and I, as mm-hmm. we go over the pod, I put a winky face, but with like one of like those awkward brackets to like make it more uncomfortable because I was like, hey, I know what they tried to do here. But anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I did notice that detail because that's how I used to, I used to do all of my smileys with the bracket in middle school because I thought it was so much cooler which adds ju- just adds to the cringe for me <laughs> right now yeah no i it just it's a it's a vibe to say the least i don't know what kind of vibe it is but it's a vibe it's a different vibe mm-hmm. and then so before we get into the different fantasy suites we have uh matt's dad showing up and we kind of knew this was coming we saw this from different teasers and uh i will say it was it was presented in a different way than I was expecting. I thought it was going to be like right. Matt was completely, uh, you know, minding his own business. And then his dad just shows up, knocks on the door, and he's completely flabbergasted. Um, mm-hmm. But of course, like. But I, it's the I, dad I think, who's blindsided. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think anybody watching was just like not sure how to feel at all about any right. of this. But what, what were your kind of thoughts here? Well, I I agree with you. I really thought like Matt was going to be blindsided. Um, 
And so when that wasn't the case, I was a little bit relieved. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean I agree with what we necessarily saw on screen, but I was definitely um, a little bit relieved. Um, and then I did note that, like, while he's kind of building up to opening the door for his dad, you know, he's talking about, you know, it's fantasy sweet dates and he's, you know, worried about his emotional availability and, like, just saying a lot of things that I feel like we hadn't heard since the first episode. And I was like, oh, wait, this is a story arc that we should have been getting, like, the whole season, right? Like, this is his story, his journey. And I felt like we never got that. And I kind of almost forgot that we didn't have any of his journey because we were consumed by, you know. White lady nonsense for lack of a term. Yes, by bullying, by bullying, white lady nonsense, bickering, um, uneven screen time, all that fun stuff. So I was like, oh, okay, like we're cramming. Like I felt like it was very unearned, like the whole the whole conversation in general. Just like, um, but yeah. So so there's that. Um, I remember thinking, just seeing how excited his dad was, and it did not match the tone that Matt set up for the talk. And I was like, oh, this guy has no idea what he's there for. Mm. He thinks he's just there to, you know hype his son up for because he's about to get engaged like he doesn't know that america thinks he's a shitty father or an absent father like he doesn't know any of these things um and that definitely didn't sit well with me i'm not here to discuss me and your mother's relationship and stuff like that i'm here to celebrate your success this isn't a celebration this is a journey for me that i'm going on and and for me to get through and i'm having to address these demons that we're talking about right now and these are the hard conversations that we haven't had that i'm ready to have that's that's why you're here, Dad. If, if we wanted to go celebrate, we'd go to Chuck E. Cheese. I, I, I wanted you here because I want to have a relationship with you going forward. And for me to have that with you, you have to know where I'm at. And I don't say any of this to, like, defend his dad or attack Matt. Like, Matt is absolutely right in everything he's told him. I thought he handled the situation with, with emotional maturity. I thought he was so valid in all of his feelings and everything. I just... If you have difficult relationships with your family, you know that any little thing can set any little thing off and you can get derailed from like what matters most, which is like really sharing your feelings and trying to get the person to understand you. And that is so easily derailed. And I feel like a really easy way to set uh, these difficult conversations up for success is to have everyone be on the same page. Yeah. Like it it truly, I, I didn't think that was cool. And maybe I'm getting ahead of our discussion of this conversation because... I also remember telling you, you know, before we started recording, like, like the contents of the conversation are separate from the issue of the conversation itself, you know, and I feel like we're kind of in agreement on that. Yeah, I mean, I guess like my, I mean, (laughs) there's a lot of like conflicted, you know, feelings that I had like in watching this. One was, you know, when we kind of like talked about the, the, it happening in general was like, okay, if this was like very much on, you know, Matt's accord, he very much wanted, you know, this to happen, then, you know, who am I to be like, no, he he shouldn't want that, like, he shouldn't want to bring his dad on the show. Uh, you know, again, like, just because I think yeah. all of us have this air of mistrust with like production and, you know, and, and exploiting trauma for plot lines and all that. Yep. A part of me is like, if production fucking made him like do this, that is like unforgivable and incredibly uncool. Um, and, uh, 
Yeah. So that's one separate issue. And then I think getting at what you, what you were kind of saying is like, you know, I, I think to get people on the the same page with this, um, I don't know, when I was watching this conversation, there were a lot of like really vulnerable and I could very clearly tell, you know, quote unquote, real, you know, real and raw moments. But yeah. there, there's a few, you know, moments that really stick out in this franchise where I actively have thought like, I shouldn't be seeing this. Like this should be happening like more privately. Like I think this should happen in like a therapist's office or privately in like a home. And it just felt like, uh, I just, I felt really guilty for even seeing this conversation, especially because like what you noted where, you know, it it did seem that there was some um, adjusting of expectations of the conversation. And, you know, I think we do end up seeing it kind of land in a good place. But I do think that there was a lot of pain and trauma that was navigated really, really quickly. And I hope that that could be navigated a little bit more off camera, either in clips we didn't see or just like after the show completely wrapped, you know, because that's yeah. a lot. That's a lot. It is. I also feel the need to point out some critiques or comments that um, some black people have had about the conversation in general, about the perpetuations of stereotypes that can be harmful. And I want to acknowledge those sentiments. Uh, And in that vein, you know, after the episode, Matt James posted a couple tweets um obviously on twitter but also on his instagram and i just wanted to read them so um there's three of them so it goes tonight's convo with my dad was hard to experience and it's just as hard to watch all this time later especially knowing the world is watching with me i just wanted to say that too often we see dangerous stereotypes and negative depictions of black fathers in media and they have consequences when presented without context and then he links um, some resources so you can go check those out on his page, on his Twitter, and on his Instagram. And then the last tweet goes, All I hope is that people watch that conversation with nuance, care, and also an understanding that there are real systemic issues at play. I'm so proud of myself for being vulnerable and I'm so proud of my mother. I wouldn't be who I am without my dad. That's a fact. No, thanks so much for, yeah, thanks so much for bringing that up. No worries. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I just wanted to point out that just because the conversation was valuable to Matt James, you know, like you said, I, I totally second what you said about my reaction being like, wow, this is a real and raw and vulnerable moment. Like, this is fucking real. Um, and real always makes for great TV, but just because something is great TV or something, just because something is literally real or just because something might have been a breakthrough for Matt James personally doesn't mean that it's always the best decision um, to be put out for consumption for the general public, you know? And that's obviously not something that I'm here making a judgment call on. It's just something that I'm saying that we should think about and take into consideration and kind of think about other ramifications, you know, the ramifications of other people in other parts of this country and the world seeing this and maybe not understanding the nuances or maybe thinking they understand the situation because of stereotypes or because of their own prejudices or because of the way that they were raised and thinking that it's one thing when it's more complicated than that. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I think his, his, his point about like, 
you know, everybody watching this with, with nuance in mind is important to Key. You know, have at the front of our, our minds just cause yeah. Cause I can see a lot of people, you know, watching this and having like a very clear cut reaction. Like it's just, you know, very like, Oh, it's like this person bad, this person good. And, you know, and, and that's not to, you know, defend like, uh, you know, Matt's dad or anything, but I can, I can definitely see, you know, nuance and, and more like systemic issues being a little bit more ignored. So, uh, yeah, it's good to bear in mind. Yeah. Um, and with that, do we want to actually get into these fantasy suite dates? Let's actually get into these fantasy suites with, uh, who we have Michelle first. Yep. So they have some sort of spa day, but it's not a regular spa day. It's a Dutch something, something spa day. Um, they have a tub of milk, an oatmeal foot bath. Like at one point they start rubbing butter on each other. I'm just kind of like, were there instructions? Was there like a, a list of activities yeah. they needed to check off? Yeah. Or did they just like, um, or was this like adventure? really DIY? Yeah. You were just like, what if we just started smearing this stuff on our bodies? I guess that's like what we, yeah. also, can we talk about like, just like how heavy, heavily dairy this date was or like dairy adjacent, <laughs> you know, like I was I was very, as someone who's lactose intolerant, I was watching this date like, oh, I don't know, man. Like they're trying to create like a sexy time here. And I was like, it feels like this could be a little gassy. I don't know if I like this. <laughs> um, the part that was weird for me, it's just like the butter part. It's like because the other things like I've kind of heard of those things or like or they yeah. were presented in a way that was spa like this was just like plates of butter <laughs> and started rubbing them on each like I, I truly they got me with the butter thing. Like, I can't I, I it broke me. <laughs> um. So after we get, you know, the the night portion that is still televised, I guess is what we can call it. <laughs> What were some highlights maybe for you from this part with Michelle, if any? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like the highlight is like, you know, we we see for like the first time here and, you know, it'll get brought up in all the other, you know, spoiler alert, all the other uh, <laughs> uh, fantasy suite dates too, where he talks about how his conversation with his dad definitely was like a big moment for him and yeah. him reflecting on his relationship and dating history and how his insecurities definitely got in the way. And he thinks that this was like an important step to, you know, to handle. Um, so he does have that conversation with uh, Michelle there. Um, and, and also I, you know, I thought it was really interesting, especially because obviously we have, um, you know, Bree later on, who's a little bit more reflective of what Matt has personally experienced in, in his family life. But mm-hmm. Michelle like acknowledges like, yeah, I, I don't have that same perspective when it comes to family, right? Like, you know, she kind of has the, the traditional, like what we think of like a bachelor family foundation where it's like my parents mm-hmm. are like my model for like what. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Love is, right? Um, yeah. And, uh, 
I don't know. I thought I thought it was interesting that she acknowledged it. Yeah, she actually said something that actually made me cry. And even though I grew up in this like situation where I had a really good example of love, I think you still bring just as much to the table from having your example of love that you saw. As a child of divorced parents, and not just divorced parents, but a very dragged out, dramatic, painful divorce at a very pivotal age in my life, you will you sometimes get branded a certain way. And I think it, it can be similar to how we're talking about, like, you shouldn't be discounted from the show just because you've never technically been in love before. Yeah. Like, you're still worthy of love if you've never felt it before. And I think you're still worthy of of love and loving someone well, even if you didn't have that as your example, you know? Um, so that made me cry a little. <laughs> it felt like being seen, acknowledged, heard by someone who could potentially be yeah. your life partner. And I think that's extremely important that your life partner, yeah. even if they don't, can't always 100% understand where you're coming from, that they acknowledge that and that they acknowledge yeah. that you are still um, worthy and that you're still whole human despite different experiences from their own and ones that might be deemed stereotypically worse yeah well you like something i guess like i you know it's like i think about it's like this whole idea of like you and your family like are still just as valid whether it's like you and like this monstrous family that's like Mm -hmm. hyper bonded and and all that or whether your version of family is like you your mom and your brother like that's also a perfectly vision you know fine vision of, of family um and uh yeah, no, I, I thought it was really great that she said that. Yeah. Um, let's see. During slash throughout the state, we are getting flashes of Rachel, you know, being upset, insecure, you know, something that we see from time to time from at least one contestant in the fantasy suite round, you know. It's hard because you're torn from being like, you know what you signed up for, you know, very like a la Sarah in the beginning of the season, but also we're near the end of the season. So like I do have a little bit of empathy of like it can't be easy. Like just because some people, yeah, yeah, maybe some people control it better, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt to see, not only see, but to know that the guy that you're in love with is fucking other women. <laughs> like to <Yeah>. be <laughs> kind of really um, gross about it. I don't know yeah, why it's phrased yeah. it that way, but it's staying in. No, um, listen, was I think you phrased it that way because like that's literally what she's thinking, right? She's not like yeah. thinking about it in a cute way. She is probably thinking about it in the most visceral, <laughs> you know, sense of the word. Yeah. Um, and I also want to point out that I only bring this up because I want to kind of come back to this a little bit later or maybe throughout the episode. But yeah, so that is Michelle's lovely, cute. Yeah wholesome date um well maybe not that wholesome but (laughs) yeah no maybe not that wholesome but you know so obviously they you know they have like their fantasy sweet time but this is another theme that we see in the very beginning here that carries out through the rest of the dates is like matt playing like peekaboo or like whatever with like the actual date card like just hiding it in a real crafty way (laughs) like i think this date card was like under the plate like you know what i had a vision of is when i was like a seven-year-old and I didn't want to eat my vegetables and I hid the vegetables like around the rim of the plate, like being all crafty. Wow. It's like, I Inventive. Know, I, was, I, was a, I was a con artist a little bit. It's like, yeah, it's all done, <laughs> you know? And then literally like string beans were just like a little wreath around my plate. And that's, <laughs> I got flashbacks with this date card. I just thought it was funny because we know that they don't ever eat the food. So I remember when he lifted the plate 
I'm sure that this is not what happened and it just was like he lifted it softly. But in my mind, my reaction was like, that is like fake food, like glued on there. It didn't move at all. I was like, I don't know. It just made me laugh. Just like envisioning this fake ass food. Um, And on that note, uh, the date's over. (laughs) The date's over. Uh, We get to like the next morning. (laughs) So next morning, they have a cute little goodbye. Um, Michelle goes back to where the women are and kind of chats with them. It's, of course, uncomfortable. And I just want to point out that this is a new thing. Like this thing of like the women like yeah. hanging out with each other yeah. during fantasy suites. It used to be actually like it's not even like a oh back and way back when. This I'm pretty sure this started with Peter season. I think so, so literally, too. Yeah. Literally one year ago they yeah. started it pro- mainly because of they wanted to like really fuck with Maddie the Virgin's head. So, which is fucked up in and of itself. But they used to isolate the women starting with Fantasy Suites Week and they wouldn't see, they saw each other once at the rose ceremony and then not again, you know? Like, until, like, that was it. Like, their journey with the other girls in the house ended two or three weeks before the the actual show ends. So I think it's kind of... I thought it was in poor taste when they did it last year. Um, And I think it's still, I think the decision to keep that, even though they're in a pandemic and they're technically on the same hotel, it's a huge fucking resort. And I think like the decision to keep that anyway is still a choice that I think I, or that I really hope does not become a regular staple because it is really cool. I think. Well, because you can also even see like, you know, when Michelle comes on back in and Reno, Rachel was already having like a difficult time as was Brie, but we see it a little bit more visibly, I think with, with Rachel and, you know, she's like, Oh yeah. How was it? Like kind of like having like this like masochistic question. Like she doesn't actually Mm want to know what you did, (laughs) you know, but like, it's just uncomfortable for obviously everybody involved. Yeah. And it just keeps getting worse and worse. Like when Brie, you know, not to jump ahead, but when Brie comes back, she literally says, I don't want to see her. And she just yeah, walks right yeah. in. It's like, that's kind of mean. Like, I like I get it. It must be hard. Again, you sign up for this. But again, we can't even pretend to know what it's like. Yeah. But, like, that's that's a mean girlery that I almost don't even blame Rachel for. I'm just like, the producers did this to you. And, you know, I don't want to, as much as I don't want to defend her really at all. Because we, we everyone knows how we and a lot of yeah. Astro Nation feels about Rachel. Just objectively, like like let's say Rachel was Bree or, or, or Abigail or, sure. or literally any other woman, like I would feel this way. I'd be like, you know what? I don't even blame you for this spiral because it was literally amplified mm-hmm. to then be exploited. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna reel it back in, and it's Bree's turn for her fantasy date, and she does not get a fun date card. In fact. There was a one and only date card in this uh, in this episode, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, MBD. Yeah, just like I guess it was just like there was only one date card because it was just like broadly applicable across the it's board. It's the same one. Like, yeah, I was about to like say, you're yeah, all you're all about close. to bone. You're all about to bone. Just like you get it. You know what we're doing here. Uh, but yeah, no, we get Bree's date and, you know, not even to just like beat around the, well, I was going to say beat around the bush. Maybe like they were when they were setting up their fucking Amazon tent. What was this budget <laughs> that production all of a sudden like did not have for this date? I was incredibly concerned for Bree 
potentially having to endure a fantasy suite in like a fucking tent. I was extremely worried. I was yeah. like, they're not going to do this to her, are they? What I immediately yeah. had a flashback to was Ivan's little like camper date with Tasha being like, being like, no, not again, not again. <laughs> so I, I was annoyed at the actual date. I felt like it was, you know, obviously the most low budget, easiest, whatever one of all of the dates, especially since Bria said time and time again that she's not outdoorsy. It's like it didn't it doesn't really feel special for her. Yeah. Even though they had fun and it was cute, I still yeah. felt like it was like a nothing, like throw it yeah. together at the last second. Like, you know, obviously, obviously they knew that she was going home. You know, whatever. Like, they didn't care. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Yeah, they were just like, let's just get this over Um, with. I thought that it would be like surprise glamping, like even after that mm, 10 part. Yeah. Which would maybe be more reminiscent of Ivan's, but I like some of those glamping setups are fucking cute as hell. And I, sure. I will say since Ivan was the first date when his date came on or like it was revealed that they were going to be in the little camper van, I thought it was super cute. I thought it was super inventive for being in, in La Quinta, which we all had issues with. <laughs> um, so I thought it was really freaking cute and I really liked it. And then it was only when I saw the other fantasy suite dates where I was like, okay, Ivan got a little gypped here. Um, but I was so, very grateful that they did not have to bone on the floor of the Oh, my woods. God, yeah. No. <laughs> like, I was like, well, okay. That, well, that reminded me. I literally wrote this down in my notes. I That reminded me, remember way back when, I don't know how many months ago, when it was reported that they found a used condom in the woods during filming? <laughs> oh, my God. Wow, I did not even think about that, but, like, it would have made so much sense. <laughs> it would have made so much sense. I'm not out here trying to be tabloid news writer, but uh, but that would be pretty freaking hilarious if if it came full circle there. You know what I mean? Like Listen, it would be. <laughs> I I know there's a lot of incredibly uh, important things that need to be addressed during after the final <laughs> rose, but I think we need to also know wh- whose condom is that? Whose that condom street? is it? Wh- whomst, whomst? Whomst condom? Whomst? Anyway. Anyway, that night, we are just, we are off the rails. No, it's so fun, though. Everyone um, loves when we do this. Uh. Maybe, maybe, potentially. We do, anyway. So they have a cute little camping date. Um, Then Brie, just when Brie's starting to think, holy shit, this is my fantasy suite uh, sleep spot, (laughs) Matt reveals that it is not, and they go to a cute, a very cute, cozy um, location. That's where they have their deep talky talk. It's what Brie deserves. She deserves better than the floor of the woods. Oh, absolutely. And during this dinner, deep talky talk, as we talked about earlier, Matt speaks to Brie also about his conversation with his dad. And they have a pretty stereotypical falling in love with you conversation. Like, are you ready for engagement conversation? All that jazz. And that's not to knock Brie. It's like, I think they were all a little bit repetitive. Um, But I think my favorite part of this one was like at the very beginning when she just kind of calls him out for building the tent, and he just, like, immediately reacts, like, and you're welcome for pitching me. <laughs> you're not going to let that go. <laughs> it made me chuckle so much, and I chuckled very little in this episode, so I really needed that. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, the the only thing that I, I you know, I would want to call out about, like, their, uh, the rest of their, you know, fantasy suite here is, um, you know, obviously – Bree more like personally relates to like Matt's situation with his, yeah. with his dad and uh, especially in in harsh contrast to coming from Michelle and I did think it was like interesting how uh you know she talked about like her relationship like with her dad and how that pertains to her yeah. dating life and how she said um you know that 
she would want her dad to be like a part of like her journey with like finding her future partner and uh, just like in a way trying to have some sort of, you know, presence, uh, you know, in her life in some capacity. So I think, again, it's another parallel that we see between like Brie and Matt, like kind of like trying to navigate um, you know, like bringing them back into the fold, but obviously it being an incredibly difficult and complicated situation. Yeah, I was going to say it really parallels exactly what we saw at the start of the episode, right? Where, you know, Matt wants to have some sort of closure and acknowledgement and maybe moving forward and growth with yeah. his father. And I think like that, you know, if you want to boil that down to the simplest terms, like his dad is a part of the process. Matt saw his dad as part of the process. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, I've I've always been so charmed by Matt and Bree's connection in that they had such a f- similar, familiar backstory, and that can be mm. really, really yeah. helpful in right. in a strong romantic connection. So, um, yeah, I noticed that as well. I definitely think that was a great conversation. And then you know they have their little fantasy suite shenanigan. But one thing I want to call out before we get into. Uh, Rachel's date is I feel like and I'm curious if you notice this too is I think after they woke up the next morning Brie and Matt it felt like there was like so much more physical chemistry going on like it it kind of felt like Brie was like really like they were like making out a lot more in a way that like I didn't see with like Michelle as much or Mm. and and I think especially because it, it was I think I like jarringly noticed it because I had pretty much uh, written Brie off for Matt. Like, I love Brie, but I was like, no, no. Like, I don't think this is going to work out. Yeah. Um, but then that next morning, I was like, okay. Like, y'all seem to be pretty yeah. into each she other with, like, all the makeout smitten. montage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, I was – because I, I think about, like, the the fantasy suite dates like uh, like Colton and, like, Tasha, where, you know, they have the fantasy suite and then, like, Tasha wakes up looking miserable the next morning. So it wasn't that vibe whatsoever. So I was like, oh, all right. You know, something happened here, I guess, maybe, possibly. <laughs> so a lot of talking and hand-holding. Um, and so then with that, we have our last date. Rachel finally saved the best for last, question mark. Save the obvious <laughs> winner for last. I don't know what you want to say. Um, so Rachel is spiraling, and she is not crazy excited for her date. They give her the longest freaking walk-up to Matt in the history of, of Bachelor date walk-ups, and she doesn't <laughs> run at any point. She just walks to him looking <laughs> miserable. As a leisurely, leisurely stroll. This kind of like a really reluctant stroll. Yeah, she had she had like the energy of like when I've um, you know committed to a Bumble date that like I go through the work day and I'm like, oh, fuck, I have that Bumble yeah. date after work. It was like that kind of energy. Yeah. When she is like describing it in the confessionals and stuff, it you get the sense that the energy is like she is getting so in her head and paranoid about the other two women coming back from having great dates that it's like, well, he can't possibly still feel the same about me if he's having like these great dates with these other women. So he's about to send me home. Like I think that's and I and I don't even think that's too reading between the lines. Like I feel like there's multiple times where she's like if I feel like she, he's going to break my heart, like if he's just going to send me home, like I want to know now, like things like that. So yeah. I feel like she just walked into that being like, I'm the weakest link. Like I'm the one who's going to go home today or at this rose ceremony yeah. or whatever. 
so yeah, so they have a ceramic state, uh, which which I immediately thought of you again in our notes. I was like, it's Camila's dream date. Look at the ceramics. Oh my! I just want to say the thought of having a first date, or I guess it's not first date. The thought of having a date doing ceramics and the person doesn't know how to do it. I feel like that sounds kind of crap honestly it, i'm not it would just be lie. like infuriating because you would just be like judging their form or like also their no i just be like teaching the- them i'm i'm like don't think i'm a good teacher i mean well ugh, i i think i'm i don't even want to say that i think i'm very inconsistent as a teacher like i feel like depending on my mood i can't like i can't like compartmentalize mm-hmm. and i would just like yeah. be impatient or something yeah. and so i think for them it's like neither of them knew how to do it as we could clearly saw um, oh my god, the <laughs> ceramics judgment over here. Not wrong, but like, listen, they you were said beginners. It. It's okay, yeah, but it's fun. But you can, it's fun. You do it together. You have a teacher helping you. It's cute. You like, you like sprinkle clay at each other. You know, you get a little dirty, you get a yeah. little clayy. <laughs> you pull a ghost move, as we saw later. Sure, fun. But if you're someone who you take your stress out on the clay, mm-hmm. and like, if you're having a really bad time and you accidentally fuck up your piece, you're just like, wow, I can't win today. And like, <laughs> so much. And if you're like, I really just need a win today, and that win is just making a nice piece that I I'm, can be proud of, and like, that happens, and, and yay, great, or it doesn't happen, and then it makes your movement even worse. It's like, you want, like, no, we have different energies when it comes. Like, I take this clay, the clay way too seriously <laughs> in that sense. Not that I take myself too seriously as an artist or anything like that. I'm really not an artist. It's just like I can't be having that volatile energy hinging on whether I'm good at a thing or not on a date. No, that's fair. You got to compartmentalize. <laughs> so uh, any potential suitors out there, just just uh, make okay. note. <laughs> just make note, and maybe don't do the ceramic pitch for Camille on the first date. <laughs> but I'm, anyway, I'm glad. I am glad that like after. Rachel's able to like pull Matt aside and, you know, express like, yeah, this has been a really difficult week and I'm feeling like really insecure, blah, blah, blah. You know, Matt, of course, because he's, you know, very into her and also kind of shows his hand saying that he's falling in love with her. It's like, okay, well, now he's been saying it all season, though. Yeah, but like, I think it's been like just in, in contrast to the other two dates. It's more like this week alone, like that was not uttered to the other people. Uh, it was yeah. just like, it was very much, you know, to, to go quote Katie. It was like, thank you for your feedback when, when thank we you for sharing. I'm, I'm like falling in love with you. It's like, thank you for, for telling me that. Thank um, you for but, sharing uh, that with me today. But I was grateful for uh, after Rachel was able to get that off her chest that they went and I would say finished the pottery, but also not quite because I think yeah. Matt ended up kind of sweeping her off her feet and taking her away when she clearly had a pot to finish or whatever they were making. Well, we saw a compilation of stuff, right? Like we, they had their ghost moment, like I mentioned. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, that moment where they're like kind of like splashing each other and making out. I looked at the pot on the wheel and it was just like smashed it. Like it just, fl- like they fucked it up. Like it just like fell <laughs> yeah. over. Like, you know, so that pot's not getting, that pot's getting recycled. It's not, nothing's yeah. happening with it. Yeah. Which objectively it would be cute if they made something that they, you know, fired and like had forever. Yeah. But, um, and maybe they made other stuff, but, for, but what we saw, th- that part that was there when they left <laughs> is a destroyed pot. That's yeah. not going anywhere. Yeah. That's not even like my opinion that it should be destroyed. That's what, <laughs> pots look like when they've collapsed yeah, and you have yeah. to throw them out <laughs> yeah right right 
but yeah, you know, we get like the the night portion of the date, lots of similar conversation and all that. Again, we talk about the budget comparison. We get a whole fireworks show for this one. So it's like, stop telling on yourself like with this. It's like hold on yourself so hard this season. My God. Like just like at least ah. something that immediately came to my mind when we saw the fireworks was like Brie and Michelle are definitely watching this. Oh, like they're yeah, definitely yeah. seeing this. And they obviously know that they didn't get a fireworks show <laughs> until Rachel, who is the last person to go on the fantasy suite dates, is getting this crazy over-the-top production. I mean, imagine being Brie even, like, <laughs> with your low-budget-ass Amazon 10, yeah. as you pointed out <laughs> earlier. Like, And so that's one thing. And then I'm thinking, like, okay, now we're going to see the other two women kind of maybe spiral about it or, like, be in their feels about it a little bit. Nope, nothing. <laughs> we spent all of that time throughout the episode seeing Rachel be yeah. so in her head about Matt's connection with the other women and him progressing with them farther than her and her yeah. being the one to go home. And then we see an obvious tangible like sign that she is getting extra special treatment that neither of these two other women got. And we don't get to see like any sort of reaction from them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. No, well, I mean, we don't get to see any sort of reaction from them. And then that actually kind of brings me to my other point of like, they just sprint through. There's like no morning after moment that we see with like Rachel and Matt, like we saw with Brie and Michelle. Oh, it's just like, and it's like, yeah, there was, there was nothing. It was just like, and we're in the rose ceremony. It was like, it was very jarring. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, wow. I didn't even clock that. Yeah. The next time, yeah. The next time we saw Rachel after the, the fireworks show was like her getting ready for the rose ceremony. It's like, oh, okay. You've now, <laughs> we're in this, we're doing this separate thing. Damn. I wonder what happened if they cut it. I don't know. Mm. They, just, they just had to get to the business. I don't know. Yeah. So what happened? What happened that next morning? I want to know. So then we have the rose ceremony. We have Chris greeting all the women and kind of like, Almost like a pregame interview with them. Just like, how are you feeling? You know. Yeah. Obviously, it's only three of them. So it's an extremely short rose ceremony. And Brie, unsurprisingly, but still unfortunately and disappointingly, goes home. I know. And I just want to say the way she was processing healthily in real time. Yeah. Yeah. In real time. Was incredible to me. Just upset or I can't be angry but I can be really sad and disappointed and hurt but I don't know that that's at you I don't know what that's at so obviously I gave up a lot to be here it is hard um, to think about like not being able to um, see you again but I think that's just how this goes. You are going to be moving on to someone else. And I think that's what makes it harder. And she is 100% right. Like, it is the show. Like, he would maybe have been leading her on if he did say, I love you. You know, like, just shit like that. But, like, I, I was just, like, so surprised with how, and not in a condescending way, just, like, in a slapped in the face with a heartbreak Days after one of the best nights of your life, probably, you think, you yeah, know? Yeah. Just wow. Truly like a gem. Like, yeah, I, I was just in awe. In yeah, awe. No, I was like, Brie for Bachelor. 
Yeah. No, man. Like if, well, again, listen, I don't know if she has a job yet, but like I have a job for her. Um, And then we have next week's teaser. And once again, have Matt not wearing proper outerwear. So we get that little moment again. Um, Thank you. Thank you. And then we also get, so we've seen this moment where uh, Matt is like crying on the curb and, you know, Chris Harrison's like, oh, do you want to do this anymore? Are you okay? He says, no. Um, I thought that actually when they were teasing that, that that was going to happen right after his conversation with his dad. So I was actually yeah, really surprised that that wasn't the case. So now I'm like completely thrown for a loop because now I'm like, yeah. all right, well, does something else kind of, I don't know. I mean, because what, like someone's going to get dumped next week. I guess like that's. I don't know. I, I actually don't know what to expect from that moment. Now. No, I 100% agree with you. I think we were on the same page. I think that's why we thought that it was going to be like a toxic, like gotcha moment, right? Yeah, with yeah. them bringing out Matt's dad and that be, being his reaction. So I am glad that that's not the case. But yeah, I mean, we see, you know, both Michelle and Rachel crying in the previews. Like they're both kind of like, where's your head at? Or like, he didn't even want to see me today. Like things like that. So obviously something's wrong. Um, is it like a Ben Higgins situation um, of just can't decide between the two is, or like, is that going to be the framing? Is it going to be like, I think I regret Serena P not being here or I'm sad. Serena P's not here. You know, like, I don't know. I'm also, I feel like for the first time in a long time this season, truly not sure what's going to (laughs) happen here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, with that, that's the end of the episode beyond just like a, a quick little moment of Brie and Matt fucking up s'mores because none of them know how to be in the woods, I guess. You know, just uh, just feels like a fire hazard, what they were trying to do there. But beyond that, that's the end of the episode. This episode was produced by us, Brett Vergara and Camila Salazar. Do you have any questions, comments, opinions, haikus, love letters, date cards for us? Email them all to babygodbatchpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, pretty, 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 please. And if you're not yet doing so, follow us on social media. We're at babygodbatchpod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to follow us personally, we're at Camilalala with two A's at the end and at Brett S. Vergara on both. Thanks again for listening, as always, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.